0: While seeking God's blessing, we can turn to the portion of God's Word that we have read. Chapter, Luke chapter 23. And we'll take this evening for the words in verses 42 and 43. The words of the thief on the cross to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. How wonderful the word of God is when we see prophecies that were given. In the Old Testament, hundreds of years before, and finding them being fulfilled in the New Testament, and especially even in the chapter that we have. And we find Christ there crucified, and it says in the Old Testament that he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich man in his death. And here he is, with one on either side of him, and both of them at some stage were railing on while they were on the cross, with the wicked, and then the rich man, Joseph of Arimathea, coming into the scene and taking down the body of Christ and putting it into his own tomb. And there are three things that Christ borrowed. Imagine, the creator of all things, he borrowed while he was upon the earth. And this is one of them, the tomb. It did not belong to him. And the ass that he came into Jerusalem on, it was also a borrowed us. And where he had his last supper with, with the disciples, that was also a borrowed room. All, of course, done with the hand of God in mind. And on the cross, we find fulfillment of other words that were Say, said in the Old Testament in the book of Psalms, Psalm 22, you will find them there. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you will find in Zechariah chapter 13 that he was there going to open a fountain for sin and uncleanness. And here he was on the cross fulfilling that <coughs> prophecy, and of course. the the sword was going to, to go in him. But also I find here what it will be like at the end. Because here on the right we had a man that was saved And we had on the left one that was not saved. And that's what it will be at the end. When the day of judgment will come, there will be a separation and the sheep and the goats will be divided. And they will have two different ends as everyone I am sure here knows. Two robbers. One of the commentators was going quite far and he said there was three robbers. Of course, the one in the middle was not like the ones on either side of him, but what he was saying was this, that he was robbing the grave of its victory. And that's exactly what he was doing. There was... One, I think it was Bishop Ryle that had this, one was dying in sin, the way he came into the world. And there was one also who was dying into sin. In these last hours, after his conversion, he was dying into sin, and the other in the middle was dying for sin, for sinners. And it's a great question. Well, I, maybe I shouldn't even ask it. Where do we want to be ourselves at the second coming of Christ? Do you want to be saved? If that thought ever crossed your mind? Do you want to be saved? Well. I feel quite confident in this, that if the lost thief on the cross was able to come back another day, which is impossible, he would do his utmost that he would be found amongst the people of God. One prayed. One asked. One didn't. One didn't pray was quite happy to die as he was. And they were both, as far as I am able to understand, they were both the same distance from Christ, seeing and hearing his sayings, these last seven sayings on the cross, and he didn't move them. Which example do you want to follow? I, I want to take... Four things out of this. First of all, what kind of man prayed? What kind of a man was it that prayed? And then, secondly, I find in these nine words in his prayer that there was repentance. And then we will have a look at the prayer itself. And then we'll have a look at the answer. What kind of man prayed? Well, it tells me that he was a criminal, a malefactor. The Gaelic says, Drohini. That was what was said of him. And yet, here he was praying. Does that not give anybody encouragement? A man that probably had never prayed before in his life. And here he was, praying to Christ. A robber who was coming down when night would fall and would be robbing houses and going back up to the hills. And some of the commentators believe that he was even a murderer. But we will leave that to one side. He was a robber. And the people, you see, we mustn't judge where anybody is going. We don't know. Only God knows. And I am sure that the onlookers that would be there, that were there at the bottom of the cross, and they were saying, crucify him, crucify him. We don't want this man to rule over us that they would also be saying to the thief on the cross, what point is it for you to pray? You spent your life in sin. What an encouragement if that is you. But he prayed. And we thank God that we believe that there are bedside conversions 11,000 conversions in this world. See, we don't know. We don't know. We, we pray for people that God would come into their life and who knows if he has answered that prayer at the 11th hour. Just think of this thief, robber, He was in the morning in the natural state that he came into this world a lost sinner. Dead, blind, deaf. And yet in the evening he was on the way to glory because he was putting his trust in the crucified Saviour. In the natural state dead in trespasses and sin. And then he was in a state of grace. He received grace. By grace we are saved. And then, before the evening came, he was in a state of glory. Today you shall be with me. In paradise. And we have to make sure who we are following, and what are we doing? Everything is God has done everything possible for us, provided a savior, and one sinner was saved here on the cross, so that no one need presume when they will come to the end that they will be saved, because one was lost as well, one was saved. So that no one need to despair here tonight or anywhere, but only one, so that we would not <coughs> listen. One of my favorite writers, Bishop Ryle, as you probably know, I quote him so often. He was preaching at a no open air meeting in Liverpool, and there was plenty of these in years gone by. And he was urging people to make, make their calling an election soon, not to put it off to the last minute. And somebody at the back said, what about the thief on the cross? Bishop Ryle said to him, which one of them are you talking about? And the man realised that he was put in a corner, so he turned his back and walked away. You see, there was only one. Do you see yourself so bad as a person that has no hope that God would have mercy upon you? Well, look what happened here. Jesus Christ, on the cross, and he prayed to him. And we'll have a look at his prayer in a minute. He came to seek and to save the lost. He eats with sinners. He didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He wants to lift you, as we have sung there, he wants to lift you out of the jungle and set you amongst princes, Princess of his own people. He wants you to, to put your foot upon a rock, and that rock is Christ. And I know that sometimes we, as the Lord's people, can be very shaky on that rock, but it is in, you cannot fall out of grace. It is immovable. And this is not the only person that we find in the Bible who was a bad man and probably the worst person that I can find in the Old Testament was a man called Manasseh and apparently the streets of Jerusalem were running with the blood of the Lord's people for the anger he had against them. But the enemies came in, took him away and he was there. In jail for two years. And it was there that he came to himself. And he prayed to God. And God heard his cry. So he was plucked as a brand out of the burning, And eventually he prayed. And he listened to what God had to say. Now, secondly, the repentance of this thief on the cross. When you minutely have a look at the nine words, ah, oh, there's a lot in them, and that's the way the Bible is. And we find that there are various steps of repentance in this man over time how he had spent his life. Forty, he was concerned about his companion's wickedness. And then, verse fifty-one, full acknowledgement of his own sin. We are getting what we are entitled to. Was not that man seeing what he had done with his life, confessing That he came short. And even in the verse, saying, This man in the middle, he's not guilty of anything. We are, but he isn't. This man has not done anything amiss. And he turned to Christ in faith and he called him. Lord, Jesus. We'll find in a minute his prayer. And in his humility, and in his pain, and in his agony, I'm talking about the thief that prayed just now, he didn't ask, take me down from the agony that I uh, am in. He didn't ask him that, but only save me so that I will not go to hell, that I will go to paradise with you. What a transformation. And the Bible makes it quite plain that the two thieves railed on him at one stage. And various commentators try to figure out what happened to this thief. How did this extraordinary thing happened in his life? Well, I think the the easy explanation is that it is all of God. God's work. Some people think it was the title that was over. He said, this is the king of the Jews that was blessed to this man. Some people, and maybe there might be a little bit of truth here, Think it is the words of Christ that was blessed to him when he said, Father, forgive them, forgive them for they know not what they do. Some say as the day rolled on that the shadow of Christ fell on this man. That I do not know. It is God. And that is That is in the word of God. It is God and God alone that opens the eyes of the blind. It's the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. Thief then with grace. After he received grace, that is when we find that he is repenting and believing And that's what happens to us all. His hands were nailed to the cross as the three of them were. Couldn't do anything for Christ. Couldn't have any works for Christ. But he was wanting Christ to do something for him. And that takes me to the prayer. beginning with the Word. Jesus, I think, here in, in the Bible that I was born used to, the Lord. Was he wrong to call the one in the middle Lord? Of course he wasn't. What proof have I in the Word of God that this was the Lord that was in the middle? Well, when he rose and women went to the tomb and they found the tomb empty, what did the angel say? Come and see where the Lord lay. You see, he was right in what he was saying. And then he says, remember me. Oh, don't go past me anyway. Was he entitled? Entitled to be remembered? Am I entitled to be remembered? Are you entitled to remember? Is there anybody at all that is entitled? Of course, we're not—a sinner. And when we minutely. Go to these words, we will find amazing things in them. Amazing things. Nine words. First of all, he saw that this Christ that was in the middle, notice, he noticed that he had a kingdom. See, The other one wasn't interested, but he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Although he was dying on the cross, and although he was in pain, he knew that the one in the middle had a kingdom, and that that kingdom was in a better place than where the other people. Indeed, a better place than this sin striking world is glory. And maybe in our deadness that we are losing sight of the great reward that lies ahead for the Lord's people. And he saw also that christ would not keep the kingdom to himself but that he would let into the kingdom all those that believed and repented and another thing the thief knew that the way to get into the kingdom was through the one that was in the middle, through Christ. Remember me when thou comest, see, when thou comest into thy kingdom. He knew that the key for getting into heaven was through the one in the middle that had the keys of hell and of death and I will shut and no man will open, and I will open and no man will shut. What an amazing faith this man had all of a sudden. And another thing that was quite open to this, to the eyes of this dying thief was... He knew that he had a soul and that it was a never-dying soul. And if he wouldn't get into the kingdom with Christ, he would go somewhere else. He would go into the depths of hell. He believed in the world to come. And he believed that there was a reward in the world to come for the believer. He was wanting to be clothed, and I believe he would have been at that very moment, to be clothed with the righteousness of Christ, to be clothed with the best robe. But now is the question, will Christ He is in agony himself on the cross. And what people don't know that God was pouring upon him the sins that we should have in in hell forever. He was pouring them upon everyone who believed. All their sins was being poured on Christ. He had on his plate. Do you think he was going to answer the question? Of course, he did. And it is a question, where am I going to spend eternity? And you can ask that one yourself. But the dying thief who turned to him with this prayer was now on the way to heaven because he wanted to hide under the righteousness of Christ. As a believer. Clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And it is for believers and on all believers who put their trust in Him. Well, when my time comes and when your time comes, whenever it will be, this year yet or in ten years' time, Will we hear the words of Christ? Today, today you shall be with me in paradise. Now, the answer to the question Verily, or certainly, I say unto you, when Christ says anything, it will be fulfilled. It will be, and it is full of promises for the Lord's people. And for those that are not the Lord's people, there's loads of promises there for them as well. And this answer here is one of the seven sayings of Christ on the cross. Today, you shall be with me. In paradise. Many people break their promises. But that's not Christ. I admit sometimes I break my own promises. Today I, you will be with me in paradise. You see, there's no purgatory as the Catholics believe today. The souls of believers at their death are made perfect in holiness and to immediately pass into glory. bodies being still united to Christ to wait in the grave to the day of the resurrection. Today you shall be with me in paradise. Two other occasions that word is used. When the Apostle Paul, when he was lifted up to the third heaven, up into paradise and he heard things that couldn't be uttered. And he never spoke about it. It took him 14 years to talk about it at all. Because we couldn't really understand what he saw or what he heard. But I believe that he heard this A people praising God in a way that even he was not able to do. Because they were holy. They were holy. And the other place is in the book of Revelation. The trees in the midst of the paradise of God. Well, isn't that a wonderful thing this man now? On the way. Before he was on the way to hell. But now he is on the way to heaven. And what what a pair? If they entered in together, he doesn't say that, but possibly it happened. That's the way it did happen. He, He put his trust in the crucified Saviour. You see, when we come to Christ, we have absolutely nothing to come to Christ with that would earn us any salvation or to come to God if you want to put it that way we cannot say to God you'll accept because of this the only way that God will accept us in it is to come with the merits of Christ to hold on to what Christ has done in our Roman in our stead and that is all that we have and that is all that we need why isn't my good works. Because they are all marred with sin. That's why. Whatever we do. Today in paradise, and the Garden of Eden was certainly beautiful. Rivers and trees there. But it was closed. When man fell, it was closed. And here is this now, the God-man who took our nature, going to open a new and a living way, and taking, remember when when, when man sinned in the garden, that there was a flaming sword put across there, and here he is, taking the sword to himself. What in Christ's hand, in, in, in God's hand, a wake o sword against my shepherd, opening a new and a living way through his finished work, through his own body. Take that soul. And it's a great encouragement, certainly for me, anyway, and I hope it is for you as well, for those of us who have lost loved ones in the law, while we are sorrowful down here upon the earth because they are no longer with us, they are rejoicing in heaven with Christ. And when we weep at their funerals, which is right that we should do that, they are safe and happy with Jesus in paradise. Remember how I started this service, began this service, that I saw it as the second coming of Christ and the sheep and the goats. And that is exactly what will happen. And you know full well, as I do, that there will be a separation on that day And some on the right hand will hear, Come and inherit the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And the others will hear, Away, you cursed, I never knew you. So there are the two destinations. For we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And the devil will blind, that is his word, blind your eyes as he did for me for many years. What is he doing? Well, if we would only everything, know everything that he does, we would be ready for him. But this is something when when you are in a service, he will tell you, oh delay. There's plenty time. Plenty time. Plenty time for you. And he will try, especially the Lord's people, and he will try. Anybody that is showing any interest in Christ, they will he will try to discourage. And he will put a diversion and he'll he'll make things that are of absolutely no use as something that we have to seek and to get hold of and to keep our eyes of Christ. To keep our eyes of Christ. He makes you put doubts into your mind. And it is not confined to those that are on the outside of Christ. He does it for those that are in Christ. He comes with doubts as you haven't started in the right way, you haven't repented. He will come with all these thoughts into your mind. But it is good news tonight. We are still on mercy's ground. And he is still asking you at the eleventh hour to come and put your trust in him. Ho oh, everyone that thirst. He doesn't even want you to come with anybody what price. It is free. It's the free offer of the gospel. When we consider what he did for this lost race. Of man, taking to himself a true body and a reasonable soul. And we are fast approaching, and I'm going to bring this to an end because I'm quite tired. Taking this to an end. We're, we're approaching a time when this island and this nation will remember Christ. Oh, yeah, we are approaching a time when this nation will remember Christ, but only for two or three days, or maybe one day of the year, remembering, and we, we have the Christ in the manger, and that is fine. No word about why he came or what he did, or he's coming again, none of these things are mentioned. And he was in the manger because it was foreordained that he would go to the cross. It was God that put him to the cross. It wasn't the soldiers that did it. He did it willingly. He could have called for ten legions of angels from the Father. But he went through everything that he did so that there would be a way opened for sinners. And refuse it at your parents. Amen. And may the Lord bless you us these few thoughts on this work. <laughs>